0: This is the Huddle Up Podcast with J.P. Shadrick, Bucky
1: Brooks, and John Osher. The, the Huddle Up Podcast starts right now. Welcome into another Huddle Up Podcast. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osher back with us this week. And plenty to get to. Free agency is just a few hours away. But I feel like it's already been done. The negotiation window is open. We'll get to all the reported names And there are many reported to be affiliated with the Jaguars moving ahead. Tuesday was an interesting day. Jaguars fans freaking out early, but they seem to cool off in the afternoon. We'll get the mindset there. We'll go through some of the players that have agreed to terms. Of course, a few big names around the NFL and some social media questions. It was hot and heavy on Twitter this week remember to subscribe to the official jaguars podcast network it's on apple itunes spotify or wherever else you get your pods and give us that five star rating john osier bucky brooks uh, bucky i mean john you've been busy certainly i know that on the jaguar side of things getting ready for when things can actually be reported by the jaguars but bucky you're all over the place with the free agency frenzy
2: No, it's a lot lot going on. It's bananas watching all of the activity. Uh, I think the NFL has done a great job of making uh, the league relevant 12 months out the year. Every month, there's some kind of seminal moment where you have to pay attention. Free agency frenzy has become like a a thing where you have to see all these things, these deals that are reported, but not official. And so we're trying to figure out who's who and what's what. But it's exciting and then with the jaguars just a flurry of activity over the last couple of days we will see a brand new squad when they take the field
1: yeah john this time of year is is quite interesting because it's you know it's players that aren't going back to their original team for one reason or another but there's big money flying out the door john
0: well it's huge money and you know, i would i think we all talked about this last week that by this time this week We would have a good idea of what their approach and their philosophy was going to be in the build. And I understand that fans panicked when there was no, you know, they didn't sign Unitas, Star, Lombardi, the whole bunch at 1201 yesterday. So everybody's panicking, and, and I understand that. But now that you're sort of seeing the big picture of what they're doing, We'll go through some of the names later, but they clearly thought they needed a couple of starters in the secondary. They thought they needed to beef up the defensive line. Lo and behold, guess what, J.P.? They wound up doing that after that first, you know, I'm going to say after the first wave. The first wave is a couple of days of this. They did it after the first hour. So they're okay. And I think you're seeing clearly with the, what is it? I think 12 guys at the time of this talk, they knew they had to get some, positions filled where they didn't want a repeat of 2013. And JP, you know what I'm talking about. 2013, when the last regime came in here, they cut to the core and said, we're going to build with rookies and let them develop. Looking back, that Ooh. didn't work. It, yeah. it, it was too much too soon for a lot of guys. And because of rookies, they couldn't function a lot of times. Well, this regime clearly says, you know what? We need some help compared to last year. But we need to have some 27- or 28-year-old guys where in 2013 they were 22-year-old guys. That's a big difference in the NFL. They're trying to make sure they're not overmanned and outmatched next year, JP.
1: Yeah, no no more of this youngest team in the NFL stuff with some of the names that are reported. We'll get to those coming up, Bucky. Those days seem yeah, dude, like they're over. They don't have a lot of Bucky draft picks. Or not?
0: Did they Would... sign Bucky, JP?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so not yet. Not yet.
2: I keep NFL. looking – I keep looking at the phone, waiting for the 904 number to come up, but it hasn't popped up yet. Maybe they're waiting. Maybe they're waiting for it to be official. So got to rebuild uh, direct,
0: that secondary.
2: Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> it's funny though. Like it, that's a great point and observation, uh, John, about the team getting older, because one of the things that you always worry about when you have a college coach, are they going to have a lot of real young players and maybe too young because that's their their comfort zone. That's their sweet spot. But because they've, actually inherited a roster that already had a lot of youth. They wanted to add some experience and some expertise, and they certainly have done that with the names that they brought in. I am still curious. I can't wait to see what this looks like when they get on the field together because right now it's kind of like a hodgepodge of a bunch of different players with different talents. Now you want to see how they're going to fit them in into whatever scheme the Jacks play on both sides of the ball.
1: So let's uh, go now on the Huddle Up podcast to some of the names that have been reported and reportedly linked to the Jacksonville Jaguars over the last couple of days. And let's start off with the biggest of them all. Now, note, we are recording this Tuesday afternoon at 530. Maybe there's a bigger name after this before it airs at 8 a.m. But Shaquille Griffin, cornerback from Seattle, a three-year deal reportedly up to $44.5 million. $29 29 million guaranteed. He has six career interceptions, three of those last season. And Bucky, he's he was the top corner available. Yeah, no, it's
2: it's funny because there's you always wonder how these corners going to play, leaving one scheme going to another. But what I would say about Shaquille Griffin, long, he's athletic. You talked about six career interceptions. Part of that is because they played so much man-to-man on the outside. His back is always to the quarterback, so he didn't get a chance to get a lot of those easy interceptions off tips and overthrows. Uh, Tough tackler on the perimeter, has the ability to play press, not necessarily an off corner. When we think about how this scheme and how they typically will play, I would expect them to be nose to nose in the face of the receivers a ton. But I think the comfort comes in. You now have an experienced player who may be able to handle the duties of the number one role. So now C.J. Henderson can kind of come along and figure it out as he's getting comfortable with the league. And then maybe he, he eventually will take it over. But right now, I think Shaquille Griffin comes over. He's the number one. And then C.J. Henderson will go to the other side and maybe match up with whoever's on that side.
0: It strikes me they just got good at corner. I mean, C.J.'s not bad, you just don't know what he is. But they went from being really questionable at corner to uh, potentially really good.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I think so. I think I think it is one where you upgraded. Because not only C.J. and um, Griffin, but it's bringing the other guys back. We talked last year during the regular season about Sidney Jones being someone that was of interest because he was a second round pick for the Philadelphia Eagles, had the Achilles, never really came back, comes down to Jacksonville, plays in a handful of games and held up pretty well in those things. So now as you beef it out and think about your nickel and your dime packages where you have five and six defenders on the field, when well, now it looks like you have four athletic corners that can man those roles, you go and get another safety and those things, you feel better about your defense in the back end.
1: Let's we'll stay on the secondary. Rayshon Jenkins added 6'1", 220-pounder, a fourth-round pick in 2017 out of Miami by the Chargers. A regular starter the last two years for the Chargers and five career picks, Bucky, over the last two seasons, those interceptions. Yeah, he got bumped
2: into the starting lineup when they had injuries to Derwin James. So that gave him an opportunity to get on the field. He spent the first two years really – uh dominating as a special teams player, very active cover teams, can do all those things as safety. I would say he's solid. I wouldn't say that he's exceptional in any area. I think what you do is you have someone that you can put in a spot as a placeholder. And if he starts great, but if you find better, then it doesn't prevent you from signing him. And so we'll see, there's so many names and there's so many critical positions to the, the backups that you just need to make sure you keep stuck stockpiling talent. We just continue to need more talent.
1: Yeah, and the back end of that secondary, John, we, we mentioned the corner spots a moment ago, but it Urban Meyer the other week said it's the, the full secondary. needs some work in places, and this is a big get, it feels like.
0: Yeah, when he talked about it, he said it was going to have to be built. He mentioned C.J. Henderson, didn't really mention anybody else. So, Bucky talked about corner safety. Now you've got Daniel Thomas. You have Jared Wilson. You have what seems to be a bunch of solid veteran guys who have been there before. Not Daniel Thomas. He's in his second year. There's some potential there, but, but you don't know what it was. He didn't play enough last year to know what he is. So wouldn't surprise me if somewhere in those first five picks, if safety came up just mm-hmm. because there's, there's some stuff. Now, but what you do like, and, and this is a league-wide thing teams try to do, but it seems like they're accomplishing it. It looks like they're accomplishing the goal of, if something's not really grabbing them at the draft outside a quarterback, that they don't have to go particular directions. And at safety, if the Morwick kid is there, still makes sense. If he's not there, you don't have to reach at that spot. It, it seems in the secondary they've accomplished not having to reach in the draft.
2: Yeah, I think that's what you, you you're trying to do. Some of it is mitigating risk, John, because you don't know how the draft is going to play out. So you want to make sure that okay, let's make sure we bring in a veteran who maybe at his worst he can be a placeholder. Um, he can be a placeholder until maybe draft day. We're able to find a guy that unexpectedly falls into our lap uh, that plays a position of need at safety. Uh, but if we don't get that, we don't have that. If that situation doesn't come to fruition, we feel good about the veteran playing and taking over and maybe being a one year stopgap at the position. So it's really an attempt by balky and urban Meyer to cover their bases when it comes to building a team and make sure that they are okay with everything that's going on from a personnel standpoint.
1: Huddle Up Podcast rolling along, looking at some of the reported names that are with the Jaguars uh, agreeing to terms via reports. And let's go to the defensive line now. And this was. The area on defense where Urban said he wanted to start things, and they certainly have done that. Defensive tackle Roy Robertson Harris from the Bears, an undrafted player out of UTEP in 2016, uh, he was an exclusive rights and restricted free agent after 18 and 19. He signed the tender both years, went back to Chicago, had shoulder issues last year. Then a familiar name: Tyson Alualu, veteran defensive tackle. We know him, we love him here in Jacksonville. And in theory, he probably could have been a lifelong Jaguar, but he spent some time in Pittsburgh. He's coming back reportedly. And then late Tuesday, a report of a trade, the Jaguars and the Saints. And the Saints will send defensive lineman Malcolm Brown over. No word as of this moment what the Jaguars move would be, Bucky. But there you go. Three big defensive names on the group in the defensive line. That's, a, that's an area where Urban and Trent Balky really wanted to make an impact. Yeah, we talked about it earlier. It's
2: experience and expertise, experience in terms of veteran players who played a lot of snaps. They understand what it should look like, blocking schemes and those things. And then expertise, understanding how to take techniques and utilize them to give them opportunities to make plays. That is really the key, and I think it's a common denominator for a lot of the moves that have been made. Uh, Experience guys who have been able to dominate or play at a high level at various various times throughout their career, but maybe they can show the next generation how to prepare, how to play, how to kind of become a professional. So when Urban gets it going, maybe year two or three, they can shed some of those veterans and the young guys are ready to step up and take over the team.
0: I should have seen that Tyson was coming. He makes perfect sense in the sense he's played for Colin. Colin loved him. As a coach, you can't be around – You can't be around Tyson Alalo and not love him. He's everything you want in the player. I like the fact that he's been to Pittsburgh. He's seen how he now knows how to win. He's always known how to prepare. He's the constant professional. I got to admit, I I don't know. I don't know about Malcolm Brown, to speak intelligently. But what they had to do, if they're going to a 3-4, which more and more feels like they are, I think we all kind of see that. You've got the outside edge guys. What they didn't have, which you couldn't quite figure out, What are they going to do? It knows. Do they have enough guys to play those big end spots? Clearly because of what Bucky will tell you is it is not a good draft. Didn't seem like there's any sort of quick impact there in the draft. They want to have the bodies. They want to be able to rotate on the interior. When I say interior, I mean, big end defensive tackle. They're doing that in free agency.
2: Yeah. I think it's the continuation of being able to do that. Like, They want to get bigger. They want to be dynamic and versatile. You think about the Baltimore Ravens defense, it was their ability to kind of change, change fronts, change coverage, give a bunch of different presentations to the quarterback. With Jacksonville, when you look at the personnel, and I think of it outside in, the edge rushers, Caleb on chasing and Josh Allen, they're not really defensive ends. These guys are stand up, move around, active, run around linebackers. Because you go to a three, four, there's a possibility of being able to get both of those guys on the field doing things that they're very, very comfortable doing.
1: All right, let's go back on the offensive side of the ball. And late on Tuesday, the Jaguars reportedly agreed to terms with wide receiver Marvin Jones. Four seasons in Cincinnati early in his career, the last five in Detroit, so a veteran receiver. Earlier Tuesday, wide receiver Philip Dorsett, a first-round pick back in 2015 by the Colts out of Miami. He had a foot injury last season, didn't play in Indianapolis. And Carlos Hyde former Jaguars running back from 2018 connections to urban Meyer, Trent Baalke and Brian Schottenheimer. Well, looking at those connections and talking about how important connections were with urban Meyer the other week. It kind of makes sense played here in 2018. As we said, those are the three offensive additions, Uh, some special teams additions as well. Rudy Ford, Special teamer. He was a six-round pick for the Cardinals. Jamal Agnew, a, a return specialist who was a first-team All-Pro punt returner back in 2017. Those are some bigger names. Oh, we, we left off a defensive end, Jihad Ward from the Ravens as well on the defensive side. Those really kind of wrap up. Any of those stand out to you, Bucky, of those handful? Uh, Jamal Agnew stands out to me
2: because when what I'm, what I'm sensing uh, a team that wants to be in a position to be able to play complementary football, so run it on offense build up the defense, be a little better, flip the field in the kicking game, having returners get 10 to 20, 25-yard returns, being able to really put them in ideal scoring position. I think that's how you have to kind of build this out because you're going going to start a rookie at quarterback, so you can't necessarily count on the offense to be there week in, week out. You have to have some other vehicles that can drive the team's success.
1: And, John, the, uh, having a veteran wide receiver, you know, the, the last couple of years Chris Conley has been around here, a guy who's been around the league for just a little bit. Uh, feels like he may not be back, especially when you sign a guy like Marvin Jones who's been around the league for nine years.
0: Yeah, you wouldn't think. I, mean, I didn't think that Conley would be back. Certainly Westbrook you wouldn't think comes back. It remains to be seen about Keelan Cole. We'll see. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm probably the most curious about Philip Dorsett because he's one of these sort of untapped potential guys. Mm-hmm. He can certainly run. I mean, when Urban talks about when somebody who can make an impact there, it doesn't seem, Bucky, like the book has completely been written on him. He hasn't lived up to the first round status, obviously. Is there something there, or is this a Hail Mary? How would you describe him?
2: You know, it's, it's tough, right, because what you want to do is, is, is when you make these moves and you're trying to, trying to figure it out, like former first rounders, you always want to kick the tires on them because there's a level of talent that someone, many teams in the league saw. So maybe a change of environment, a change of scheme, a change of coaches can unlock that potential. And so you, you're willing to take those risks because, man, former first round picks, man, they they tend to hit and it tends to be a very consensus choice when someone is viewed as a first rounder. So you absolutely owe it to your team and your franchise to kick the tires. And maybe you feel like you have a program or a team or a scheme
1: that will maximize the player's talents, unlike the previous situation. And we failed to mention so far, Chris Mannerts, the tight end, uh, really a blocking tight end four point two five million million guaranteed reportedly. Do you agree with that? So you make a face, Bucky, at the blocking tight end comment. I mean,
2: I mean, no. it's not this, it's not the tight end that we were expecting in terms of how we <laughs> thought they were going to utilize it. I mean, both of those guys end up going to New England. Uh, yes, there's a there's a role for a blocking tight end. But let's be honest. Here, here's what I would say about the tight end. The play caller has to know how to feature and maximize the tight end in this offense. Uh, Darrell Bell, if you go back and look at the history, they had Jimmy Graham for a little bit in Seattle, but he didn't put up the kind of numbers he was putting up in New Orleans. And so... The danger is, man, you overpay, you get a big-time tight end, but do you have the ability to call plays to utilize them? And everyone doesn't have that club in their bag. And so I like the receivers on the outside. I like Marvin Jones coming over. Um, I think he really helps them. He's not necessarily a one, but he's a 1B-ish type where he can handle some of the load if you need to. So while DJ Chark and LaVisca and those guys are growing
1: up, I think you have a steady, eddy, dependable playmaker. The uh, apparently the Eagles have uh, given Zach Ertz permission to seek a trade. Just we're, we're on the topic. Just oh, think he's, think he's coming. To, we think he's coming to Florida. I don't say that. I was just bringing up that he's a tight end, and he uh, is a tight end. We're talking. He also,
2: end. Yeah, he is a tight end. He probably is going to want his deal sweetened up a little bit. Ooh, he's just yeah. not going to sign. Ooh. He's not going to sign that. He's he's going to say, "Hey, I want to look." I want some more cheese on the burger. About that. I don't wonder if they ain't have If, if murder, only so. there
0: were a team with some cap space. Oh, I wonder. Uh, if only we could find – no, I'm kidding. I don't know what you're going to do. But how's this, JP and Bucky, for an analogy? And it's probably pretty obvious, but these guys come in here. You're looking at the roster. At some point before you go by the prime rib, you've got to get some meat and potatoes so you can eat. Mm-hmm. And they clearly looked at the roster – This free agency period, to me, they clearly said, Look, we've got to have some guys so that we can line up. Mm -hmm. And so we can't spend all 70 million we have on, they couldn't go 55 million and give all that cap space to uh, two players. So I think it shows you something about, I get that fans wanted a little more, but I think it shows you the reality is these guys looked at this roster and said, We've got to get to a certain level first before we try to go to the next level, the guy that's going to put us over the top. I don't put words in their mouths, because that's what the first couple of days look like to me. Make.
1: Makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. This is the Huddle Up podcast, and season ticket renewals are underway. Yes, they are. Existing season ticket members, including those who are on pause in 2020 due to COVID-19, need to lock in their seats now as demand for 2021 season tickets is sky high. Single game tickets will go on sale after the schedule release sometime in May. And the Jaguars look forward to playing in front of a full capacity crowd in 2021. That's the plan. For more, look for your renewal link in your email. Visit Jaguars.com or call 904-633-2000 and subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Give us those five-star rating and a comment or two or three. J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, John Osier, the Huddle Up podcast rolling along. And let's touch around the National Football League and the negotiation window. And the New England Patriots are spending mm. some money this week, guys. Apparently, Bill Belichick at seven and nine likes to go shopping for things. Bucky?
2: Yes. The New England Patriots are absolutely putting themselves in a position to maybe uh, re-emerge as one of the top teams. They have spent money like we have never seen the Patriots spend money. A lot of veteran players coming over. Uh, the deals are eye-popping, but they're not necessarily jaw-dropping. You don't see, like, the crazy deals. Matt Judon goes over. They sign Nelson Aguilar. They bring in a, a host of other Jalen Smith- Mills and a bunch of other defensive players to help out. Udon. I think the main thing has been the two tight ends, though. Hunter Henry and John o. Smith, that's the one that opens your eyes because then you're beginning to think back, are they going back to the old Rob Gronkowski, late Aaron Hernandez situation with the two tight ends that just created so many different problems? And, oh, by the way, they brought Cam Newton back so he can run it, and he had 12 t- rushing touchdowns a season ago. Are they going to just run it with the quarterback and just pound it, pound it, pound it, um, go old-school Patriots? I, you know, you just wonder – what are they setting up? But he, he, Bill Belichick has been in the lab. He, he, he didn't like, he didn't like that seven and nine. He, he doesn't like being sub 500. No tolerance, no tolerance for mediocrity over there.
1: No, they will, uh, they will spend to try to get things right. And John, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers apparently are going for two. They're signing everybody. They're bringing they it on back time. John this year.
0: Yeah. You wonder, um, I haven't dived deep into what they're doing. You sort of wonder, I get why they're doing it. And. It's what you have to do. You do wonder, can you do it twice? Can you catch lightning in that bottle twice with this bunch? Mm. Or, or will you look back and say, those older guys finally reached their shelf life and it didn't work? Um, now, now, don't get me wrong. The approach they took is the only one to take. You feel like you've got a team that can win. They just showed they could win. So you go for it a second time. Nobody would do it differently. You just sort of wonder, sometimes when you go for it a second time and it doesn't work out, you're judged more harshly. I, you know, mm, that's, mm. Just, that's just kind of me throwing it out there. Mm, but man. you've got to do what they did. You've got, After the end, they have – the scary thing about the Bucks. I think Bucky would say this too, they got better late in the season. And they looked like they were an ascending team. And they looked really good at the end of the season. So they may be one of those teams that gets hot at the end of the year, wins one. And he can give it another run uh, next year. Now, obviously, you don't know how long it's going to last with Brady because he's probably only going to play until he's about 55. So you've probably only got
2: about
0: 10 years left with this guy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, at some point you said it. I mean, at some point he has to fall off. Now, he was able to, in the postseason, the defense played lights out. And the defense playing lights out really should have overshadowed Tom Brady doing uh, what he was able to contribute in the championship game, even in the Super Bowl. But – the defense is young and athletic. And I give them credit for making sure that they took care of their core players from that defense. So that defense returns. That gives them a shot there right away. But I do wonder with all of the toys in the toy bin and uh, Tom continue to add things. How do they manage all of this? Because it's one thing to make the sacrifice and win it. Well, now when you win it, people begin to want credit. Can they keep everything? Can they keep the train heading in the right direction? Because then you see book deals and all this other stuff, and it was me. No, that stuff can kind of create a divide in the locker room. So I'm curious to see how they handle that.
1: Now, they may not have Lombardi Lenny to work with next year either. That's another storyline. Lombardi Lenny may make
2: his way up to either New England or maybe Seattle. That would be interesting to see where Lombardi Lenny ends up. True.
0: JP, we've had some guys this week come back. I don't know that Lombardi Lenny's coming back. <laughs> I don't.
1: I think he's. I think he's. His time in Jacksonville might be. <laughs> but we'll about see. Dumb. I mean, you never if know. Carlos
0: Hyde can come back. Maybe Lombardi Lenny can come back. That one surprised me too. Uh, Anything's
1: possible. No, it would surprise Bucky though. It would surprise Bucky. Lombardi Lenny running it back. That would. That would be. That would be a tough one. That'd be a storyline. That oh, would be man. a storyline for sure.
2: Lombardi Lenny and Carlos Hyde sitting behind James Robson. That'll go over well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Right. <laughs> that would be something else. <laughs> you know, oh, the Huddle Up podcast. A couple other quick uh, notes around the league. The Tennessee Titans lost wide receiver Corey Davis and John U. Smith, the tight end, but they gained Nico Autry and Bud Dupree on defense this week. Drew Brees retired in New Orleans. Jameis Winston signs a one-year deal. I guess they'll compete for the starting gig or they'll just play like mm-hmm. they have been in the past down there was
2: could was, yeah it could be a little bit of anything it could be james taking a couple then Taysom rolls in it could be like be
1: spurrier that, in the old days changing plays at quarterback yeah Remember was that was, John? that was that was that was that
2: warful and saint matthews terry. or was that rex grossman years? terry dean it was terry oh, Dean. that's right terry dean wow yeah i happen wow.
0: to know that because i covered those two teams so that's uh <laughs> right. you happen wow. to hit my college football wheelhouse jp so right. that's uh
1: yeah, Man. that would be a little much in New I, Orleans, but who knows? I invented Danny Werfel. You, oh. you you invented Danny Werfel. I did. I, wow. did. I
0: put him on the Class 4A All-State team in 1991 when nobody oh, knew about
1: him. you're the one. You're the um, one I that mean, made yeah. him famous. Yep. See? Book deals. is so what you're talking about, Bucky. Like, you went go. on I Heisman, all of a sudden it's John's fault. Yeah,
2: there you go. There you go, J-O, creating them. <laughs> creating <laughs> those guys <laughs>
1: down there down right. here. Down there, Florida. I love it. I love it. I invented right.
0: Derek Brooks too, but he went. but he would never admit that. And Warren Sapp.
1: And Javon Kurse, <laughs> apparently, too. We mentioned that the yeah, other week. He told me you, I'll take Javon Kurse at the payphone. Yeah.
2: That's right. That's right. Great story.
1: Let's uh let's get a couple of social questions in before we get out of here today. And and I'll tell you what, Tuesday, when I put the bat signal out, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not allergic to bees. But I still don't like getting stung by bees, and that's oh. what it felt like. I it's, mean, it was stung a little bit. it was it was vicious there for a little while, and then the Griffin deal apparently was reported, and every everything kind of toned down after that. So we've got a mix here today. Uh, this is from Walker Garina. What's there left in the tight end market? I'm worried about the room that Irvin said we need to reshape, and we missed on both Henry and Smith. We can't rely on draft tight ends and Oliver can't stay healthy thoughts. And I I think we, we touched on this, Bucky, you, you know, the past looking at the offensive coordinator and the or the, the the passing game coordinator as well. Their history with tight ends is not as robust, let's say as some Uh, others. No, it hasn't. It hasn't been great. And it
2: it just makes it hard to say that, Oh, we're going to invest and the tight end, because I think it's a unique position. You have to have a plan to create opportunities for the tight end to get open. That, that club hasn't been in the bag. It hasn't been in the bag for Bevel nor Schottenheimer, really. And I think it, I think it's tough. And so if you're not going to utilize those guys, I would hate to see a tight end. Wasted. And it's unfortunate because the middle of the field is always wide open. It's the easiest throw for the young quarterback. I wonder, because right now it looks like this offense is going to be, even though Urban talks about running and physicality and toughness it still seems like all the weapons are the little guys on the perimeter hmm. i don't know did trevor use tight ends? Free
0: agency is not over yet uh, he,
2: he, he did not he did not use tight end much he threw to a, he bunch of, he bunch a bunch of bunch of wide receivers a bunch of bunch of little fast guys out there running around rpos That's but i mean great. it's i mean it's cute you've seen the division though right guys that knock you off the colts and the Tennessee Titans they play rock'em sock'em robot football, so we can go out there. I just don't want us to go out there being too finesse. I don't think Coach Meyer will tolerate finesse. I just don't want us to be a little finesse team.
0: Tight end coach from Penn State, tight end from Penn State late oh, first round, fear, early in the second. Okay,
2: free move. Okay. Yeah, you
0: know, I'm. I'm just saying, Bucky. I'm just. You saying. feel like
2: you feel like he's in the office every day, like, hey, coach, I know we well, need a tight end. I I've seen one. <laughs>
0: It it that, as we talked about, they're not going to get pits, but as we talked about yesterday, Buck, that second tier tight end, second mm. tier, I don't know if there'll be tiers, but that's what it sort of feels like the direction they go. And JP, your boy, if, Josh Oliver, don't sleep on him.
1: Right. He just hasn't been healthy. <laughs> he hasn't been that's healthy right. enough yet. That's we'll the issue see. with him. Uh, our next question from at no toes down. How is a backup defensive tackle who had seven tackles last season and a return specialist in a league with less return opportunities than ever? each receiving $7 million. Not a bad question, I mean, actually. you, you got you to dig deep and you
2: got to figure out how much is real and how much is kind of that, that monopoly money that's out there. You got, I mean, you have to dig down. But, hey, the cap is flat for some, but the TV deal is coming. Mm-hmm. And so you have to pay with minimum salaries and all this other stuff, depending on how you view them and view their impact, you do it. You want to win. You want to win the negotiation too because maybe there's another team that's out there, so maybe it jacks
1: it up a little bit. you got to make sure you secure the guy. Value, right, John? Trent
0: certainly gave us plenty of hints that this was going to be the approach when he spoke at his availabilities, I meaning he talked about value, 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 and he said we're going to spend the cap over a three-year period. So mm. was that a hint? I, it, I don't know because we don't really know it's hard to know how urban and Trent will approach roster building. It'll be easier next year because now we'll have an off season to sort of study it. We'll see the actions. We'll see the results. Clearly, like I said, I can't use a better analogy. They clearly looked at this roster and said, we've got to spend some money getting back to a certain level mm-hmm. where we can compete. I don't think they wanted to be in a situation. The analogy I always use JP is Ace Sanders. A Sanders was a fourth round receiver in 2013 who Caught 53 passes. Well, he was never going to be a big-time NFL receiver. He had to play really quickly. A. Sanders had a lot of stats, but you didn't want A. Sanders starting as a rookie. When you were starting A. Right. a. Sanders as a rookie, you were in trouble at that spot. And I, I loved A. Don't get me wrong. I love them great. But that's not what you were looking for. They clearly, this bunch, did not want to be throwing unready rookies mm-hmm. into the fire early. For people who wanted Trevor Lawrence, and you know, I think there's a pretty good chance he'll be the quarterback here next year, Bucky. What you didn't want, I don't think they wanted, was a lot of rookies, only rookies around Trevor, this young, inexperienced team, and not give him a chance to develop as a rookie. So they're bringing in some veterans, trying to make sure that it's not just Trevor and a bunch of kids. So it, it feels like that's their approach: is giving this once-in-a-lifetime player a chance to have something to to work with, where it's not a college team now. So that's, that's kind of what it feels like. So if you want Trevor, maybe this is the price to pay to get. Him. How yeah, about that? I huh? think,
2: yeah, I think there's something to that. I think if you go back and you look at Josh Allen's success, once Stephon Diggs came over, the older receiver that's dependable and trustworthy, he's always going to be at the spot that the coaches are telling the quarterback where he should be. And so that that makes a lot of sense. When you bring in young guys, you have a young quarterback, young pass catchers. Can you get them on the same page? That's why typically when you see the young quarterback, take a dramatic leap is because he's surrounded by veteran guys that he can trust. Justin Herbert being able to be an offensive rookie of the year. Well, you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams guys who played a little while in the league. So you can, you can make it happen. And I think it is something that we'll have to monitor. The other thing we'll monitor, and this will be a conversation for next year. How many of these guys that are coming in as stop gaps remain with the team longer than a year or so. So it will be interesting when the, the, Language comes out on all of these deals. How many of these deals and how much of the money is real compared to inflated money that we know the player never sees?
1: Final question here. We'll combine two questions to get us out of here. but so I think they kind of go hand in hand, at least in my opinion. One from at B. Smith or any theme to the free agent signing so far, a connection with the coaches, scheme, mm-hmm. or age? And the other question is from at Come Fly With Black. Should we bring in another veteran who's great for the locker room mm. and for me i think those kind of can go hand in hand because we've seen different connections with different coaches already on the step carlos hyde has a connection with three different guys already right the gm the head coach and the and the uh, passing game coordinator they have a history with him just to name a few um some other such situ- bevels brought in the receiver from the lions you know mm-hmm. um, so there's a lot of that i'm it's- curious about the locker room part though right because we don't really know what this locker room is yet and they need some older guys. I'm sure urban would love to have guys who have been through his, you know, who've read the book basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and can distribute that idea, that philosophy to the locker room where those meets, I think is where we're starting to figure out and see in the last day or two.
2: Yeah. No, I think it's interesting, but I think urban let the cat out of the bag. It might've been in your conversation, either Jo, what, what, one of the conversations he talked about how it's important for the position guys to know the guys that they're bringing into the room. He talked about that, and that's more of a collegiate approach, more so than an NFL approach. But when you listen to that, and then you look at how free agency played out, it played out just like that. A lot of position coaching coaches grabbing guys that they know, grabbing guys that they believe fit into the fabric and the new culture that's going to exist down in Jacksonville. That happens now. The trick will be when you bring these older players in, if you want them to lead the younger guys, they better be able to play. Because it's one thing to hear the old head up there lecturing and talking and preaching, but if he can't play, then it, it falls on deaf ears. And so these guys that come in very early in minicamp or OTAs, you need to be able to see their talent flash so they can get the respect of the, the young guys. If they don't, then it's, it's just another... Just another thing. You saw it a couple, You saw it a few years ago. We we don't want to go back, but we saw it a few years ago. Twenty seventeen. It was great. Saxonville, Jalen Ramsey, and those guys. They're tough on the, They were tough on those older those older players. Like I mean, I hear you, but when I look at the stat sheet, mm-hmm. it's different.
1: Yeah, that was. We're looking ahead, here, Bucky. Okay, we're moving <laughs> forward. Okay, not in the past, John.
0: I have nothing to add on that front because Bucky said it best.
1: That's fair enough. Okay. Uh, There you have it. Thanks for the social media questions and plenty of comments today too. There's a little lot going on around Jaguars Twitter the last couple of days. Hopefully things will uh, continue to move in the right direction. A lot of new names reported to the Jaguars. So stay tuned to uh, Jags social media four o'clock free agency opens Wednesday. That's when the team can officially start announcing deals and we can officially start, well, talking about them officially. Oh, the official word is the, the the key word there, of course. Yes. It feels like a lot of it's already done, but it's all still reported, and it's the negotiation window. Uh, Bucky, what do you have on the network coming up? I'm sure oh, free we agency. Got, we,
2: yeah, free agency. We have pro days. We have all kinds of little fun stuff um, coming up. I think I have Georgia's pro day tomorrow, so we get a chance to see mm. a couple of playmakers
1: mm-hmm. kind of come through.
2: And I think we have some more pro days coming out. I don't know if I'm on that coverage, but tomorrow I got Georgia's pro day.
1: How, what has been the best uh, performance of the last week on a pro day you've been on? Well, it has to be the quarterback, Trey Lance. I think Trey Lance just kind of opening
2: up and showing people the athleticism and the talent. He misses throws, and he does those things. But I think when you look at him and you see him, you say, oh, yeah, that's that's what a quarterback should look like. Uh, I think the one that everyone is excited about, I had a chance to talk to John Beck, who is training, ironically, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields at the oh. same time, at the same place. Oh. Good insight on both of those quarterbacks. Talked about both of them being very, very competitive. I uh, talked about Zach Wilson's competitiveness in terms of just wanting to be better. They've worked together for about three years and those things, trying to live up to the BYU quarterback tradition, which is a big deal. And then he just talked about Justin Fields and the competitiveness and how professional he has been early in, last one out baseball background being big he didn't necessarily know and so good good on both of them doesn't mean a lot for us because we're out there (laughs) we're not shopping we're not shopping on those racks but it'll be nice for others in the league
1: it'll be great for the jets they'll enjoy that conversation yeah the jets uh johnny o what do you have coming up
0: well uh as you know jp everything that we're doing will be contingent on uh then getting these guys signed and i anticipate thursday and friday a lot of uh a lot of free agent talk to these guys. I'm, I, I am looking forward. To, I'll admit, I have a soft spot in my heart for Tyson. I look forward to talking to him again. I I miss him. He's one of my favorite Jaguars players ever. So, for me, that's a home run, and I'll look forward to uh, talking to Tyson Allo But we'll obviously have coverage of all the guys coming up on Jaguars.com.
1: Sounds good. Uh, busy week ahead. Bucky, we'll talk to you again next week. Sure. Bucky Brooks out of here. John, we'll talk to you again later today, most likely because we're in the building together. Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars podcast network. It's on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get those pods. Give us that five-star rating, and we'll see you next time on the Huddle Up Podcast.